Hello and welcome to another great podcast sponsored by Skyline Columbus, located in beautiful Columbus, Georgia. My name is Todd Shelnut. I'll be with you today throughout your podcast. And today we're going to talk about an exciting subject which every pilot should be very, very familiar with, and that is airspace. So we'll start off today. Uh, normally when I teach an airspace class or if I'm teaching a, a, a ground school, I like for my pilots to make up uh, airspace cards. And the airspace cards can be made up on a 3x5 card or any size index cards. It really doesn't matter whichever one works best for you. And all these cards, I like to, uh, from top of the bottom on, on the airspace card, I like to put the name of the airspace, followed by the dimensions, how it looks on a VFR sectional or maybe an IFR chart, a VFR weather minimums for that airspace, the requirements for entry into that airspace, any speed limits that may apply, and then any special items that may apply to that particular airspace. So with that being said, let's go ahead and take a look at our first airspace for today. Now the first airspace is Class A or Alpha airspace, Class Alpha airspace, and uh, we're going to follow right along exactly how it would appear on like a little cue card, so I'll go in that order when I talk about each airspace. So Class A airspace, it starts at 18,000 feet and extends up to flight level 600. Now if you're unsure what a flight level is, it's just a fancy way of saying the altitude's above 18,000 feet. So instead of saying 19,000 feet, we simply just say flight level 190. Okay. So Class A airspace goes from 18,000 to flight level 600, or 60,000 feet. Now it is not depicted on a VFR sectional, well why not? Well because the airspace on a VFR sectional only depicts up to 18,000. And since Class A airspace starts at 18,000, uh, then we simply cannot depict it on a VFR sectional. Uh, as a matter of fact, no VFR operations are even allowed in this particular uh, airspace. Uh, what you're going to find here is that in order to fly above 18,000 feet into uh, an airspace that's been designated as Class Alpha, you're going to need to have an IFR rating and be current. Your plane's going to have to be certificated for IFR flight, which actually, yes, you can have an airplane that is not certificated, just like a pilot is certificated to fly IFR. A plane can be certificated uh, only for VFR conditions. Must have all the required equipment on board to be uh, to be uh, via, to be IFR. You almost have. Uh, you also should have a an IFR flight plan and have it open and be talking to someone. So you'll have to uh, be on your flight plan, be talking. All of the, everything must be IFR plane pilot and IFR flight plan. Uh, there is a speed limit up there. As a matter of fact, below above 10,000 feet across the continuous United States, the speed limit is Mach 1. Most uh, instructors teach that there's, well, they say the speed limit's unlimited, and that's really not correct. It's actually Mach 1. And if you're going to be operating above flight level 240, or 24,000 feet, you're going to need DME, and that's Distant Measuring Equipment. It's a little special device that goes on board. It tells you how far you're away from a uh, navigational facility. Uh, then you must have uh, RVSM when you're operating above flight level 290. And RVSM is a special little device that goes on board the airplane 
and it will basically really make sure that your altitude between you and another airplane when it comes to separating uh, is exact so you can actually get uh, where it used to be a couple of thousand feet of separation uh, between airplanes up, up at this altitude uh, at these altitudes in the flight levels uh, it, it, uh, they developed this technology and now they're able to, to uh, separate them with only a thousand feet you can imagine how accurate this has to be. If you can imagine being up in a Delta airline flight going at uh, 400 and some odd knots going eastbound and another Delta Airlines flight uh, going the opposite direction going westbound at a thousand foot above your altitude also going around 400 miles an hour. They're closing on one another at over 800 knots. Okay, that is smoking and they're only a thousand foot off. So if you can't really imagine where a thousand foot is, just remember, if you're ever on the ground, you see an airplane in the traffic pattern, if he's on the downwind, that's a thousand foot off the ground. That's a thousand AGL if they're at the appropriate, pilot, uh, the appropriate uh, altitude for piloting in the traffic pattern. So make sure you're aware that's some pretty sophisticated equipment. Uh, also, if you're actually flying an airplane that is certificated above uh, for flight above flight level 250, you must also have a high altitude endorsement. So um, just remember that uh, if you're riding along with someone in their King Air or something, you have a multi-engine rating, or flying along with someone in their Pilatus and you have a single-engine rating, yes, you could legally operate that airplane. However, even if you don't go over 250, you still must legally have a high altitude endorsement to operate that airplane. So let's all try to stay. Let's all try to stay legal, and make sure we do everything by the rules, um, because we have to have integrity as pilots. The next airspace is Class Bravo, and Class Bravo. When you think of Bravo, it's a, usually a big area. Okay, it's bigger like Atlanta or Tampa. Uh, it's their big big area, big airspace here. It's got a lot of traffic coming into them. And these go usually from a surface up to about 7,000 and they can go up to around 12.5, okay? Uh, on a VFR sectional, solid blue lines, uh, usually in the form of a circle or sometimes they're odd shaped, but normally they're a circle. And usually, uh, if you look at it three-dimensionally, uh, it looks like an upside-down wedding cake. And why does it look like this? Well, remember that an airplane just doesn't go right over top of an airport and then descend straight down vertically to go to the airport. You have to have some type of descent plan to go into an airport. And that's the reason why these airspaces are shaped like that. The bottom part of the uh, airspace, which would be the top of the wedding cake, is the smaller little cake that goes on top. And it goes down to the surface. And then as you get higher and higher and higher, the, air, the cake spreads out. So does the airspace and allows for that airplane to climb at that angle because airplanes can't climb vertically not the ones that we operate at our facility now there are some aircraft out there but let's not talk about that let's stay with what we know okay now if you had an, an IFR chart and you're looking at it then the class Bravo would be a nice shaded blue so it would just be a shaded blue and when you look at the airport uh, there the, uh, the information that depicts what the airport is it'll have the letter B inside of a box so you'll know that that is the class Bravo uh, airspace there now VFR weather minimums let's talk about this so the VFR weather minimums 
what are the minimums that you have to have to fly VFR in this airspace? Well, you have to have a minimum of three statut miles. Remember, statut miles is how we see, nautical miles is how we fly. And you must also maintain, uh, maintain clear of clouds. So three statut miles and clear of clouds. But don't forget, we're VFR, so what must we also have? Thousand foot ceilings. Thousand foot ceilings, three statute miles, clear of clouds. Now let's talk about what you need to enter Class Bravo. The regulations uh, state that you must need verbal clearance required. And this is something that's uh, been very confused for a lot of pilots over the years. Uh, they think that you actually have to hear the words, you are cleared into the Class Bravo. Not necessarily the case, however, that is the most ideal thing that you could hear while you're trying to enter the Class Bravo as a VFR pilot. You'd actually want to hear the words, clear to enter the Bravo. However, if he gives you a discrete beacon code, and that's just a fancy name for your transponder code, if he gives you a heading and a beacon code, and he's talking to you, and he gives you a heading that's going to make you penetrate the Class, uh, the class uh, Bravo airspace, you can pretty much understand that the uh, the the wording clear to enter the Bravo is pretty much moot at this point. Okay, it is uh, it's just understood that when he gives you a transponder code and he gives you a heading that's going to make you penetrate that Bravo, that you're going to be cleared to enter the Bravo. Now, not a lot of times I've been VFR going into class Bravo have I heard them not say it, but just for the record, so you can get your voice on the tape because they tape all the ATC recordings, just make sure that you at least ask, you know, hey, just am I cleared to enter the Bravo? Okay, so just make sure that you have that clearance. So you need a verbal clearance to, to enter it. Well, what about speed limits? Well, if you're inside Class Bravo, it's 250 knots indicated, okay? So if you're in the 172 and you're in Class Bravo, just open it up, let her run, let those ponies out. 250 knots indicated airspeed is what you require to maintain at or below. Okay, uh, not a problem with the trainer airplanes, of course, but a jet, absolutely. You can go right on through 250 if you're operating those type of airplanes. Now, if you're underneath the Bravo, underneath the, what they call the shelf area, if you're underneath these areas, these shelves, uh, you're going to have to stay below 200 knots. Um, and the reason for it is because a lot of things are underneath this Bravo trying to stay out of the Bravo. So you need to be slowed down a little bit slower so that way you can maneuver a little bit better. Um, also, through the, um, through the Class Bravo, you have these items called VFR corridors. Now, this VFR corridors can be found on a specific type of aeronautical chart called the TAC, T-A-C, or Terminal Area Chart. Uh, they uh, accompany the sectional, so if you're going to be operating underneath the Class Bravo, it's good to have a terminal area chart. And if you look on one side of the terminal area chart, looks like a sectional, but it's a lot more defined. Uh, the, the figures are bigger, there's more definition, it has more notes. And if you turn it over, it kind of resembles an IFR chart a little bit at first but it actually depicts the VFR corridors going through the Bravo. You, almost main, you also should maintain 200 knots through the corridors. So 200 knots under the Bravo, 200 knots through the, through the VFR corridors, and then everywhere else is 250. If you're in the Bravo, it's 250. 
Now, any other little information that we have is there's something that surrounds the uh, this class Bravo uh, from the center of the airport out. It's actually from the navigational facility located on the airport. Every class Bravo you're going to find has a VFR has a, a VOR on the field, and from that VOR, which is usually located right on the field, it's 30 nautical miles out from surface to 10,000 feet. You have this thing called the Mode C Veil, V-E-I-L Veil. And what that Mode C Veil does is it really makes sure that you're not even going to come close to this airport unless you have a operating Mode C transponder. Now, of course, the Mode C transponder, in case you just started flight training, you're not familiar with what it is. The transponder is a device that talks to ATC and tells them your uh, discrete beacon code or your transponder code. It's a little four-digit code that they give you to put in this box, and they, they can tie information along uh to that code uh, to, to know who you are. Like your N number would be associated with that code. The N number is a registration number on the side of the aircraft. And um, then they can see your altitude also. If it's working properly, you'll be able to see your altitude. Uh, the, excuse me, the ATC will see your altitude on their device. So they'll know where you are, who you are, and how high you are. And if you don't have a transponder on board, then ATC simply is just going to see a target. They don't know how high you are, they don't know who you are, but they're simply just going to see a target. Now, imagine to yourself that you're bebopping around about on a uh, three or four, five, six mile final from Atlanta Hartsfield Airport off the arrival end of one of the runways, and your you don't have a transponder, or you turn your transponder off, or your transponder fails. Well, the tower and approach control, all they see is a blip. They have no idea how high it is. So if you start looking out on the radar, you're going to start seeing a lot of these big Delta flights and Southwest flights. They're going to start diverting off to the right and left of you because they have no idea how high you are and they don't want to hit you. So it's very important that you maintain uh, the correct use of this transponder whenever navigating in the Bravo because it is very busy. Let's go along to the next one, Class Charlie. Class Charlie is uh, uh, Class Charlie Airspace is usually a little less busier than the Bravo. Okay, so it's a less busier, but it's not doesn't warrant a Bravo, but it's a uh, but it's but it is still busy. So they call it Class Charlie Airspace or Class C, and it extends from the surface up to 4,000 feet AGL. It is depicted on the chart by solid magenta lines or circles depending on how the airspace is depicted. Remember, these are typical dimensions. They're always defined by uh, terrain and instrument procedures coming into the airport. Now, uh, three uh, the VFR weather minimums, three statute miles. You must maintain 1,000 foot above clouds, 500 foot below clouds, and 2,000 foot laterally from a cloud, or horizontally distance from a cloud. And the way easy way to remember that is three statute miles, one five two, or three one fifty twos. If you can imagine three one fifty twos flying around in formation, normally that is the basic VFR weather. Almost every airspace during the daytime and during the nighttime is going to have three one five two on their VFR weather minimum. So it's just only a couple exceptions that don't have that. So uh, 1,000 foot above clouds, 500 foot below clouds, 2,000 feet horizontally from the clouds, three statute miles, 152. Don't forget, we also must have 1,000 foot ceilings, or we can request this other item called special VFR. 
and special VFR is something that you can request as a VFR pilot. It's actually an instrument clearance, but you can request it during the daytime from a Class Charlie or a Class Delta airport as long as the operating control tower is open and operating. And you can request a special VFR to get away from the airport as long as you at least have one statute mile visibility and you can maintain clear of the clouds. So if there's no clouds in the sky but visibility is uh, two statute miles because of haze or mist, you could legally take off from an airport and climb to an area where, of course, you could see what was going on. So just remember, visibility is a, is a big thing to us, and, and we can really go all the way down to one statute mile as a VFR, part, a VFR pilot and still legally depart an airport as long as the control tower is operating as a class Charlie or Delta. And not a lot of Bravos have special VFR. It'll actually be depicted right on the chart, no SVFR, no special VFR. But if, they, if that does have it, then that means you can request special VFR out of there. Okay, the typical dimensions of Class Charlie airspace, it has an inner core, and this inner core looks like a coffee can. It's five nautical miles uh, radius, with a, um, uh, and it goes up to 4,000 feet. So four, five nautical miles around the airport and surface to 4,000 feet. Uh, we call it the core, or it's also known as the inner circle. Uh, the next one part you would have is like a little donut that kind of sits on top of that. We call that the shelf area or the, or the outer circle, is that's what you want to call it, is fine. And it extends from that five mile core edge out to 10 nautical miles. And it starts at 1,200 feet and goes up to 4,000. So, and that's AGL, above ground level. Now, what you notice on this is that the shelf area doesn't touch the surface, okay? So don't think about that. Remember that these airplanes come in at an angle. So you can kind of see if you draw this out mentally or draw it out on paper, this airplane had to come in at an angle. They don't just come up top of the airport and drop straight down, okay? Uh, and then they also have this other part, which is really not part of the Class Charlie. It's really more of an, of an approach thing, uh, dealing with approach control. And it is called the, the outer area. And it extends from the, from the limit of the 10 nautical mile from the from the outer circle or shelf area out to 20 nautical miles. And that's the area in which you should really start talking to ATC if you're not already talking. A good pilot, in my opinion, is always talking to ATC. Uh, the Big Brother theory really does work. The Big Sky theory, of which we're no way we could possibly hit another airplane, it really doesn't work. We know that because we've had so many airplanes run into one another uh, in our friendly skies. Okay? So make sure that we, if you're not talking to ATC, that when you're about 20 miles from a class trolley airspace, you go ahead and start talking to, them, talking to them. You get the weather information there, the ATIS information, and you go ahead and start requesting permission to come into the land. Now, in order for you to come into the class, Charlie, you're going to need two-way communication. What is that? What is two-way communication? Well, it's just kind of like, for instance, if I have my back to a class and somebody says, hey, Todd, I have a question, and I go, hold one second. Well, I have no idea who that is behind me. That's the reason why I didn't identify him by name. But if I identify you, if you're uh, Bob, and I said, all right, Bob, just one second, I'll be right with you. Well, I've established two-way communications with Bob, okay? And if ATC calls you by your end number, your registration number, your tail number, whichever one you like to call it, they've established two-way communication. So, for instance, a call coming into Class Charlie would be, 
uh, Atlanta approach, because you don't want to call the tower directly, you have to call approach control, it says it right on the VFR sectional, who to call and what their frequency is, so you would say something like, Atlanta approach control, this is November 1, 2, 3, 4, and we're approximately 20 nautical miles out from Columbus at 4,000 feet, and we're looking to come inbound for, with, uh, for a full stop landing, we have ATIS information, Alpha. Approach control is going to hear this, and they're going to say, Okay, uh, November 1, 2, 3, 4, uh, stand by. Well, he's done the thing that we actually need to hear, which is he's actually told us to stand by. And that's going to give us permission to go ahead and enter the class Charlie. Okay? Now, this is the reason why you don't want to wait until you're 11 miles out before you call ATC, because then you're going to have to circle until they respond, because you can't go into the class Charlie uh, until they give you clearance. Okay. The uh, So two-way communication, if you don't have that, if he says aircraft call and standby, you can't go into the Charlie. Just circle, uh, you know, 11, 12 miles out or whatever. Or just kind of do S-turns, kind of slow yourself down, slow your airspeed down. You can reduce the power, but uh, if it takes some time for them to get into the area. Uh, so just make sure you have two-way communication established before you enter. Now you're also going to need a mode C transponder. And you'll need a mode C transponder in and above the class Charlie. Okay, in and above the class Charlie, you're going to need a mode C transponder. Remember the mode C transponder is a device that actually tells ATC what your altitude is. Okay, so you'll have to have one of those prior to entering the class Charlie. Speed limit is going to be the uh, 200 knots within 4 nautical miles and when you're below 2,500 foot AGL within inside the Charlie. So when you get down, when you're coming in in your Cessna or your Piper, remember to go ahead and start pulling that power lever back because you're going to need to be below 200 knots indicated when you come in. Of course, we know that our Cessnas and stuff around here, not a, you would not be able to achieve 200 knots, probably not even a direct dive of the ground. I don't know. I've never done that. That may be something interesting I may want to do one day if I want to call it quits in aviation. Okay, the next thing we're going to do is uh, the Class Delta airspace. And Class Delta airspace, uh, typical dimensions, surface to 2,500 AGL with a 4 nautical mile radius. Now, this looks just like a little Coke can. Coke can right over top of the airport goes straight up, cylindrical, uh, up to a surface of 2,500 feet AGL, 4 nautical mile radius. And if you look at it on a sectional, it's going to be blue dashed lines or circles, okay? Most of the time they're just a circle, but uh, you never know. So blue dashed circles, it's always designed for terrain and for IFR traffic coming inbound. What are the VFR weather minimums? Well, they're three statute miles and one five two thousand foot above clouds, five hundred foot below clouds, two thousand foot from a cloud, and don't forget thousand foot ceilings. Or we're called for class delta. If you're during the daytime, you can request special VFR as a VFR pilot. Now I just said in the daytime special VFR. Just know that if you're a VFR pilot, you can't request special VFR at night even if the control tower is operating. That's prohibited. You must be an IFR pilot to request special VFR at night. Now what do you need to enter? Well, you're going to need two-way radio communication again. Now most of the class Delta airspaces do not have radar. So how are they seeing you? They're seeing you with a set of binoculars or just with their own eyes. Okay. 
So if you request to request to come inbound, you get about uh, you know 10 miles out or so. Definitely want to go any closer than four or five nautical miles, depending on how what the radius of that particular delta you're going into. You you call them up and tell them you're inbound. You're gonna call the tower, making tower. This is November one two three four eight. It's information alpha with your inbound full stop landing. And he says November one two three four. Roger, stand by. You're still able to enter the delta airspace. Uh, normally they'll just tell you to get a little bit closer or report a left base or report downwind uh, because most of them most of them do not have radar and they can't see it until you get a little bit closer. Now, if a class delta does have radar, most of the time, most of the time, they will have this airspace around them called a terminal radar service area or a TERSA for short, black little dark charcoal circles around the around the airspace around the class delta airspace and this is just a fancy way of saying that the class delta has radar that's pretty much it class delta has radar and uh, they work right along with the tower to control the airspace outside of the class delta if we're looking at uh, speeds here make sure that you maintain within four nautical miles 2500 feet AGL and below 200 knots indicated before you get to the center of the class delta. Okay, class echo, we're almost finished here. We're going to talk about class echo and then we're going to talk about uncontrolled airspace. Then we'll be done. So class echo airspace can extend from the surface up to 18,000 feet, up to but not including 18,000 feet. And then it's also going to kick in above flight level 600. If you remember from earlier, we talked about the top of what airspace was at flight level 600? Class A, that's correct. Class A or Alpha airspace ends at flight level 600. So above that is Class E airspace. Let's talk about how it looks on a chart. Class E is kind of divided up into like really four distinct areas that I like to talk about. One is the surface area. The surface area is where the E is just slammed all the way down to the surface. It's all the way down on, sitting on the ground. And that's depicted by what I call dashed magenta. Dashed magenta lines. So if you see inside the dashed magenta, inside these areas, these corridors, they go from the surface up to, but not including, 18,000 feet. The next one that I like to talk that I like to, uh, to talk about is the transition areas, and a transition area is to make your transition. Remember, from the in route phase to the terminal phase, we want to go from in route, the cruise condition to landing, and the transition areas are denoted by a shaded magenta, and the shaded magenta circles. If you're inside that circle, from the class echo will start at 700 feet AGL and go up to but not including 18,000 feet. Now if you look at your VFR sectionals you may be able to find a dash magenta and a shaded magenta which represents the surface area and transition areas. But what about the in route areas? What if you're in route where there's no depicted airspace at all? In that particular case Class Echo airspace is going to start at 1200 feet AGL. So if there's no markings on the chart 1200 foot AGL is where Class Echo starts. Now the other thing that you're going to find is uh, if you're on a Victor Airway. Okay, So if you're on a Victor Airway, you're going to find that Class Echo airspace is going to start at 1200 AGL. 
and extend upward but not including up to but not including 18,000 feet MSL. So the Federal Airway, Victor Airways is what we call them, Federal Airways, Victor Airways. Look at your chart, you'll see a V number and then a little number beside it. So Victor 241, Victor 243, those are what we call our Victor Airways. Okay, so VFR weather minimums. Well, because because classy airspace goes from the surface up to 18,000 feet, we're going to divide it into two categories, above 10,000 and below 10,000. If you're below 10,000 feet in class echo airspace, the VFR weather minimums are, guess it, three statute miles, 152. That's right. That's right. Remember, only a certain number of exceptions are not three, 152. Thousand foot above the cloud, 500 foot below the cloud, 2,000 feet horizontally from a cloud, three statute miles. Not a lot of airspaces that are not. And I'll, have, I'll tell you what the exceptions are at the end of this. Now, if you go above 10,000 feet, everything's moving a little bit quicker. You need more time to react. So you're going to need above 10,000 feet in Class Echo, five statute miles visibility. 1,000 foot above a cloud, 1,000 foot below the cloud, and one statute mile horizontally from the cloud. That means don't go near the clouds. Give it a lot of separation. Don't go near it. You are a VFR pilot. If you want your instrument rating, we can help you with that. But until that time, maintain the rules, maintain the separation, because you have no idea what's going to be coming out of that cloud and coming right towards you. You need time to react. So what do we need to operate within class echo airspace? Well, you don't need anything. You simply just need a, a student pilot certificate or a pilot certificate to operate with inside the airspace. That's it. You don't need communication. Uh, you don't need a transponder. Uh, you don't need any of that stuff. So if you're in class echo airspace, then you need to have that. Now, if you go above 10,000 feet, it's a little bit different story. There's a lot of rules for operating above 10,000 feet. The higher you go, the more equipment that you need. But just to kind of cover my basis on what I just said, if you're operating at or above 10,000 feet MSL, excluding the airspace at or below 2,500 feet AGL, then you must have an operable mode C transponder on board the airplane, and it must be on, must be, must use it, okay? So that's what you need for that. Now, uh, in class airspace, uh, class E airspace, again, below 2,000 feet, we have a speed limit. It's 250 knots, so if you're operating below uh, below uh, 10,000 feet in Class Echo, 250 knots. If you're going to go above it, remember it's not unlimited airspeed above 10,000 air about above 10,000 feet. It's Mach 1, Mach 1. So take your Beechcraft and open it up. Let her run. Let those ponies run. You can go all the way up to Mach 1, but you can't go over it. Okay. Class G airspace is uh, different from the rest of the other airspaces we just talked about. We just finished covering controlled airspace. Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo. Those are all controlled airspaces, which means ATC controls them. Now, Class Golf, a little different. Class Golf airspace is what we call uncontrolled airspace. And this airspace can go from the surface up to 14,500 feet MSL. Um, if it does go up there, all, all the way up to 14,500 feet MSL, normally we see class golf airspace really close to the ground, uh, then you'll have some blue shading, 
like the Class Echoes Magenta shading. Uh, you'll see blue shading, and it, normally you'll see this out west in some big tall areas where mountainous terrain is present. But uh, surface to 14,000 feet MSL, it could go up that way. But when you think about G, think about close to the ground, because that's where most of this airspace is, close to the ground. Uh, so how does it look on a chart? Of course, the blue shading, if that's what we have. Now, you know, of all the airspaces, class golf airspace, VFR weather minimums are probably the more difficult ones to, to try to comprehend. So for me, I think it's easy if I break it down into three different categories for you. So if you're operating below 1,200 AGL and below 10,000 feet MSL, that's our first category, during the daytime, you must maintain one statute mile, clear clouds, flight visibility. If at night, you're back to 3152. Okay? So below 1,200, below 10,000 feet MSL, during the day, one statute miles, stay away from the clouds, stay clear of the clouds. In the nighttime, you can go to 3 and then 152 clearance from the clouds. Second category is if you're above 1,200 uh, above 1,200 feet, but you're below 10,000 feet during the daytime. Still one statute miles, but we're going to bump it up now to 152, 1,000 foot above, 500 foot below, 2,000 foot from a cloud, and then at nighttime, three statute miles, 152. Okay. Now, if you're going above 1,200 feet AGL and above 10,000 feet MSL. You're going to want to have more separation. Remember, we're above 10,000 feet, so we need five statute miles visibility, 1,000 foot above, 1,000 foot below, and one statute mile from. 111. 5111. Now, there's all different type of mnemonics to help you understand this. Uh, three 152s below 10,000, but up above it, the the if you spell the word five, it starts with the letter F, and then you get 111. So just remember the very, very fast and very high-flying F-111. Military aircraft we used to have the F-111. So if you're above 10,000 feet, that's where the very fast and very high airplanes fly. So F-111, above 10,000 and below 10,000, 3-152s. Uh, now, as far as the... Um, the uh, speed limits and special items and stuff, you're still going to be limited to 250 knots, but there's really no special items. Class golf airspace, you could actually have a wonderful conversation, a wonderful argument, if you will, about whether or not IFR operations are, are allowed within class golf airspace without talking to ATC. Believe it or not, they are. However, it's extremely dangerous to operate there because you have so many obstacles and other things. That need to uh, that are, that are located within this area close to the ground. So uh, if you ever want to have a, a little conversation, a little argument, if you will, or a, a spirited conversation, feel free to come on up here in one of the seminar nights or during your off time during lunch break and come up here and we'll discuss it because that is that's a pretty good argument there if you don't if I don't say so myself. Okay, uh, we've talked about all of the airspaces, uh, class. Uh, I mean the uh, the controlled and uncontrolled. Uh, you will see another podcast pop up soon on the special use airspaces that's a podcast all it's on but hopefully this time you have something to write down on some cue cards to be able to regurgitate if you ever get asked and the best thing to really do is understand it if you understand these airspaces and the limits and the requirements you'll never get in trouble education is the key to prevention all right so if you have any questions come and get me 
and I'll be happy to talk with you about it. My name is Todd Shelnut, and I've loved talking to you today about this airspace. Come see me up here on the free seminars every other Thursday throughout this uh, year, and our schedule is going to change up in 2012, but I still would love to see you at the seminars. Keep flying high, and we look forward to seeing you at the airport. Take care.